0: So today he's going to be sharing a little bit about his story in today's sermon, but it's not a farewell sermon, okay? I just want to make that clear. We like to think of it as a season finale, not a series finale, right? So today let's welcome Charles Park. So if this is a season finale, I have to have a cliffhanger, right? So... (laughs) You know, what's coming up, right? Got to hang you in suspense. But as she said, today's my last sermon for a while. I'll still be around uh, every week, you know, but I won't be preaching for a little bit. Uh, The staff told me to preach a lousy sermon today, so I won't be missed, (laughs) right? So sounds good? Sounds like a good plan? So I'm just going to ramble on and on and on. And so, you know, you can get your iPhones out and start like watching some fun. No, just kidding. Anyway, I'm grateful to this church, the staff, and the board for this opportunity to get rest. Because, you know, I've been a pastor for 20 years without a break. So I could use a break, you know. I I am tired. (laughs) So I got a back problem. So this is a great opportunity to get stronger, get refreshed, come back stronger. So it's a good thing, okay, right? Yeah, right. Now, as I take this break, I've been thinking about how, ended, how I ended up as a pastor in the first place, right? It's just natural, I suppose, you know? How did I end up here? It's been 20 years. It's one of those, like, reflective times, right? Right? And it just wasn't expected at all. This was just a completely unexpected turn of events for me. I have a PhD from MIT. People who do that don't usually end up in this career. (laughs) Very unusual. Uh, I didn't even grow up a Christian. No idea, you know, about... A Christian faith. My father was an atheist. He was a professor of German philosophy, and he really liked to talk, and so he imbued us, our, the kids, with German philosophy, and like people like Nietzsche, and people like, they are not known for their faith, right? So that's what I grew up with. I had no intention of becoming a Christian. I had a lot of intellectual objections to Christianity. But I had this extraordinary experience. Uh, When I was 16, one day I was practicing tennis because I was on the tennis team. And uh, in walked this big guy, just big guy with scars all over his face. And he was looking for my coach. My coach wasn't around, so we got to talking Turns out this guy was like a gang leader, drug dealer, in and out of prison. You know, one of those scary guys, right? But he had a really nice smile on his face, which was so unusual, right? It really threw me for a spin, so I became intrigued. I got to talking to him. Well, turns out he met Jesus in prison, right? So, it's one of those stories. He was in prison, and uh, Jesus reached out to him. He started having experiences of God, and it just changed his life around. And so, I was like, really? You know, I just thought those are like TV stories, you know? (laughs) Like, this is a guy right here, and he looks it too, right? And so, it kind of got me up. I was irritated. So like I threw all, because I didn't buy into this Christian thing, right? So uh, as a uh, cocky teenager, know-it-all, you know, I was a really annoying, annoying know-it-all teenager. Believe me. It was just... (laughs) You know, I detect a lot of sarcasm in that. (laughs) But anyway, so I just like was just tried to take him down with all my intellectual questions about the bible how contradictory stories there are in the bible how does it work and you know what christian church has done throughout history and all these intellectual objections i just tried to just machine gun you know and he didn't answer any of those questions really he responded with just story after story Of like what happened in prison. And let me tell you. He had a lot of interesting stories. (laughs) Right? You know. Someone's trying to kill him. And you you can imagine. Right? So anyway. We talk like this. Right? We talk past each other. I was going at him at an intellectual level. He was responding. We just. You know. I don't know about that. But I had this interesting experience. You know. And it really saved me. And so. Okay. So after like couple hours of this, I, you know, I had enough. I stood up to go home, and I told them, I, "I can't buy Christian faith. You know, it's not for me. But for you, please keep on believing." <laughs> <laughs> because I said clearly, it's good for the society, <laughs> for you, to be in this space as opposed to that other space you've been talking about, right? So, you know, just go at it. It's good for you. Keep believing, right? Not for me. Good for you. And I went home, and so I went to the parking lot to try to go home. I got to my car, and I still remember so vividly, I took out my keys right in front of the uh, door of my old car. And just at that moment, as I had my keys out, I felt literally like lightning hit me. Literally, electricity was going through my body. And I could not move. I felt paralyzed. And I heard this voice from somewhere outside of me. I heard this voice say clearly, God exists. Jesus Christ is Son of God. And that reality is more real than your existence. So like I'm going I'm standing there rooted on the spot like shaking like what is happening to me what is this experience what is going on i didn't take any drugs <laughs> i was not into that no alcohol no smoking no drugs i was just straight arrow And it was just an unbelievable experience. And I couldn't even move. Then the the next thing I remember is this tap on my shoulder. And it was the guy that I'd been talking to. He must have seen me across the parking lot. And probably I looked a little weird, like, right? So he had this concerned look on his face. And he said, are you all right? And I turned to him and I said, I think I just became a Christian. (laughs) So like you, he laughed and he prayed for me and I never saw him again. But on the way home, I just felt really happy. I I felt more happy than I ever, ever felt before. Something in my heart or in my soul shifted and I felt grounded and I felt a sense of something. I was so happy I was punching the top of my car on the way home. It was a very, very strange experience. But this initial experience of God led to a conversational relationship with God ever since. To talk back and forth with God. Now, to be clear, I have never again heard God's voice like that. It's never been, ever since then, it's never been somewhere from outside of me when god when i say i converse with god it's more like a conversation in my own head you know do you ever have conversations in your own head so it feels more like that except there is a big difference the difference is <coughs> this voice that i'm conversing with is very very different from my own voices i'm used to I mean, it's just, it's nothing like my own voice that rattles around in my head all the time. You know what I mean? You have your own voice that rattles around in your head? You know what that sounds like, right? Because you hear it every day all your life. You know what it says, you know the tone, you know what it feels like, you know the kind of stuff it says. You know, you're familiar with this voice. But this voice from God, I'm presuming it's from God. This voice from God is just so different. It has this tone of calm, peace, perspective, and wisdom that's way beyond me. It says and it says things I would never think on my own or say to myself. It's like so different. It just comes from a completely different place. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would know my own voice. This is different. And when I spent time conversing with this voice, stuff happens. And you know some of those stories I've told you. Some remarkable experiences I've had. They're all results of this conversing with this voice. All the good things in my life, my family, this church, my good friends, So many good things have come from conversing with this voice that I call God. And even more importantly, it has changed me. Uh, uh, Talking to this voice calms me down. I become less anxious. Anybody could use being less anxious? Right? I I mean, if I could make it into a pill... (laughs) Sell it, this would be like a a major seller. (laughs) It just brings supernatural peace. It gives me perspective. It makes me more resilient. Helps me to bounce back from feeling despair. You ever feel like I don't want to get up in the morning? You know, I do. You know, do you ever have these voices that bring you down? I do. But this voice from God is like a complete antidote. It gives you strength to be a better person. Can you tell I'm really for this? <laughs> you know, that's what you would expect to hear in church, right? This is church talk, pastor talk. But seriously, this is what led to me becoming a pastor. I mean, I had a powerful career on its way to becoming multiple millionaire, I had a lot of other things going on. But I chose this path because of this voice. Because this voice gave me life. It just brought real life. Made me feel alive in ways that nothing else could. Amen? And that's what I want to focus on and help you. That's what I am trying to pass to everyone into a conversational relationship with the living God. You know, that's the heart. That's at the heart of this church. Because that is the new covenant faith. That is Christian faith in essence at its core. There's really not much else than this. Prophet Jeremiah spoke of this in the Old Testament. He said that God is making a new covenant unlike anything else he has done before. It is very different from the old covenant, he said. Now It's not like old religions. He said, this is what God is doing. God said, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel, people of faith. I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me firsthand from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. God is making a declaration that it is going to be different. It's not going to be like some guru a pastor, a rabbi, giving you second-hand information about God. That we all, no matter who we are, are going to have a first-hand relationship with the Spirit of God, where God talks to you, God leads you, God converses with you, and it is that presence of God that makes all the difference. See, God can answer prayers and give you stuff. But look, stuff doesn't last. You know what I'm saying? You get a job, you get like so happy. You get married, you get so happy. (laughs) You have children, you get so happy. My daughter just graduated from high school. Yay! Happy! doesn't last. (laughs) I'm sorry to break it to you. Stuff doesn't last. Right? You know, the best thing God can give you is God Himself. You know what I'm saying? His presence will make all the difference. That's why this new covenant is so precious. God is promising to give you himself. And that is what the cross is all about. The cross is this exclamation point of God saying, I'm giving you myself. And that's what the cross enabled is the new covenant. God becoming available to all no matter who you are, what you look like, what race you're from, what kind of behavior you have. Even what you believe, it doesn't matter. Jew or Gentile, the Bible declares. Jews and Gentiles believe very different things. Jews are the people of faith, Gentiles, secular people. Very different. Doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter what race you are. Man or woman, free or slave, rich or poor. All have access to the living God. When I heard this voice from God, I was this unknowing, unbelieving, just really hateful little teenager. You know? Didn't matter. God reached out to me. God didn't say, you have to look the certain way, you have to believe the certain way, you have to become a a, a straight arrow Christian who goes to church every five days or three days or whatever before I will talk to you. No. He just reached out and talked and he began a relationship. And that's what made all the difference, right? So that is the gospel, amen? Amen. And that's what we are for. Don't you like the sound of that? First-hand relationship with God, not second-hand. That's what this church is all about. I love it. Let's do this together, right? Okay, so having agreed on this, I have to warn you though. Because hearing voice from God, that can go crazy. Let's just be honest, right? People hearing voices from God can do crazy stuff and abuse this and, you know, it can get out of hand. Agreed? But I will tell you, anything can be abused. A Bible is not any safer. Many, many Christians defended slavery using the Bible. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Let's just call it what it is. It's crazy. Anything can be abused and become crazy, as with this thing. And that's why we need the church, so we can kind of keep each other kind of sane. Hey, you're kind of going off the rail. We can help each other. That's why we need pastors to be able to, you know, give some wisdom and perspective as you try to converse with God, right? There is my job security, you know, when I come back from the break. (laughs) There will always be a need for that. We need that. Okay, so first thing I need to warn you about conversing with God is don't try to get guidance for everything in life. Don't do that. You know, once you start conversing with God, you can kind of feel like, oh, God can talk to me. So I should just, my gosh, you know, I should just get guidance on everything. Otherwise, it's sin, you know? And so you can try to, like, use it to, what kind of breakfast should I have? (laughs) You know, should I take L train or five train? You know, God, you know, what lottery number should I pick? I know, no, should I date this person or not? Should I I mean you can ask God, especially about important things, you can ask God, but God isn't really interested in micromanaging your life. Okay? God doesn't really care when you go to bathroom. <laughs> if you need to go to bathroom, just go. You don't have to ask God. Should I go to bathroom right now? That that should not be happening. If that's what God wanted, He would have created robots. Right? Yeah. If God wanted to, to control every little thing and uh, every little choice you make, He would have made robots. He, he did, does not want that. Bible 2, don't try to apply the Bible to every detail in your life. It, wouldn't, it will not work. There are many, many, many commands in the Bible. You know, don't apply all of it. You just can't doesn't work like that. Bible is supposed to set the direction of your life, the foundation of your life. Don't look at it like some kind of voodoo, magic, guidance, you know, system. That will not lead to good relationship with God. Can you imagine a relationship where you look to your, whoever your significant other for? every little detail in your life, how do you think that relationship will go, right? It doesn't work. You have to stand on your own two feet to have a relationship. And God wants a relationship. Live your life. That's what he wants. What God is after, what God wants from us, what God wants to shape in us is much more profound and directional and foundational than directing little things in your life. What God is after, he he wants to shape the story of you. It's the title of today's sermon. The story of you. There There is a story of me in everyone's life. There is a story in our head that affects all our behavior and all our dreams and aspirations. Caroline, last Sunday, Preached a, excuse me, powerful sermon about the importance of story of God. How many of you were here? It was just great. If you weren't here, you missed it, join our website, our app, you know, listen to it. It's great. Eyes on the Future, part two. Powerful sermon. Part one was really good too. That was me. It was a week before. <laughs> so listen to both if you can. But, Anyway, I was really struck by Caroline's point that our view and beliefs about God is completely shaped by the stories of God that we focus on. That our beliefs about God is not in a vacuum. It's always set in a story. It's what kind of stories we focus on that will shape our beliefs. So as I was listening to this, I couldn't agree more. I started to think, but what about the story of me? Yes, there is a story of God that affects everything. So what about the story of you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, what is the story of you? Just even now, take a moment to just think about that, right? There is a story of you. Things you believe about yourself, the kind of dreams and aspirations, you, it's all going to be affected by the story of you. What is that? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And I really believe there are only three types of stories that pretty much all human beings live out. There are only three, really, major categories that you can categorize. First two are obvious. We see it all around us. I would call them the story of success or story of goodness or being good. And I'm using these words as shorthand. Success stands for whatever works, really. You know, story of success. Money. Or, you know, if you're an artist, maybe like really good art. Or pleasure. You know, you you just want to maximize your pleasure. Relationships. You know, you just want to have as many romance as possible. (laughs) Or career. Or or even impact in the world, you know, even helping people, it could actually run on the story of success. You know what I'm saying? And you start thinking, I'm worthy or I'm unworthy based on how much success you are getting, how much recognition you are getting, how much, you know, people say you are successful, how much you feel like you are successful a lot of that going on out there right you do you, you can relate yes and i have some sto- i have a lot of that going on in my own life in my own head now having success as our story doesn't mean doesn't guarantee we will be successful right despairing because we are failing that's just another sign that the success is your story makes sense right It's more foundational in that way. Or being good. When we feel like I'm a good person, I'm a godly person, I'm a righteous person. Maybe I'm not so successful, but I'm righteous. I'm a good person. That can also become a story of someone that you start to run on that. Agreed? Or some combination of those two things. Now, these are good things. Being good is a good thing. I'm not against being good. Please, be a good person. Okay, I, I hope I don't have to like even say that. Right? And and I wish all the success in the world for you. More the better. You know, be successful. That's great. However, when it becomes the story of our lives, it's not enough. In fact, it can destroy you. And that's why Jesus warned us. This is a very, very interesting verse. Jesus, in fact, warned us against these two stories. He said, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Strong warning. See, back then, Herod or Herodians, they were the people in power. They would do anything for success. Ruthless people. They were after power and fame and success. They stand for the story of success. Nothing else mattered to these people. Their identity was wrapped around success. So it makes sense that a spiritual leader like Jesus would warn against this kind of worldly mindset, right? What's so interesting is that he also warns of the yeast of the Pharisees. Pharisees were these good, godly, Bible-believing people of the day. If you can think of the most godly, Bible-believing person today, Pharisees could top them. Just really good people of the church. And he was very strongly warning against that because they were running on the story of being good, godly people. I mean, we know people like this, right? People who are really, their identity is wrapped around being a godly, good person. And Jesus says that, if it becomes the yeast that permeates throughout your life and becomes the story of your life, you will be deceived and ruined and destroyed. Watch out. Beware. Now that's interesting. What's wrong with being good and godly? What's wrong with with Bible-believing, godly, faithful person? What's wrong with that? It is a good thing. But when it becomes our identity, it will destroy us. It will lead us astray. We will no longer be Christian if that happens. There's a lot of misperception out there that being a Christian is to be a Bible-believing good person. That is a complete flip of what Jesus taught. That is not what makes you a Christian. That is the opposite of being a a Christian. There are so many religions out there that that teach you that. Christianity is not that. Success or goodness, either way, when they become the story, we lose our light and our salt. The story of Christian founded on the story of God. Like Caroline talked about last week, she said beautifully that the arc of the story of God that we must focus on. Because there are so many stories of God we can focus on, we need a framework. And the arc of the Bible is God coming ever closer to us. Remember that? From the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, God getting closer and closer and closer, connecting to us, and the cross being the exclamation point on that. Would you agree? Connection, love, is the story of God. That's why the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, Soul, mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. Second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the Bible are based on these two commandments. Amen? Everything that God wants is about connecting to and loving God, yourself, and the world. That is the story of God. And that has to become the story for us if we are going to be a Christian. Yes? That's the story. And, and, and there's so much alienation and isolation all around us every day. There's so many alienating voices in our We talked about voices in our head. Majority of the time, the voice in my own head pushes me towards alienation. I don't know if it's true for you. But the voices in, in my own head it most often goes, you're not good enough. How are you going to make it? You're going to fail. And all these people around you, they don't really care about you. Not really. It's all fake. The world is fake. The world is unjust. You know, Forget the world. Anybody connect to that? Relate to that? All those voices? Yes? Right? Those are voices from hell. They will bring you down. They will depress you. They will make you choices. They will push you towards choices that lead to alienation, isolation, towards death. All around us. As Christian, we must fight those forces. Everywhere. That's our story. That's what Jesus did on the cross, giving his life. To break those voices. To say to us, there is no more guilt or shame. The cross takes away all guilt and all shame. Amen? Amen? The cross has reconciled us to God through infinite forgiveness. The cross has taken away all those self-condemning voices by removing all shame. That is the message of the cross. No more shame. Shame is all gone. Christianity 101, yes? Judgments are all gone, yes? So no more judging the world. Jesus did not come to judge the world. Yes? So no more judging all those people, you know, on based on their looks, on their parenting styles. There's a book a few years ago called Hell is Other Parents. <laughs> it was just full of stories of parents judging one another about their parenting. And we get so insecure about our kids because they, we don't know what we're doing. You know? Right, parents here? Do you have all these voices in your head? Goes, what a terrible parent you are. You're making a mistake right now and it's going to ruin your child forever. It's going to leave a scar. You know, what are you thinking? Anybody? I see a lot of nodding heads. I think all of us do, right? So we're running on story of success or story of goodness when we give in to those voices. Do we agree? Right? If we are going on, I'm not a good enough parent, it's just story of goodness. I, I mean, we do need to get better and better at parenting. Yeah, let's do that. Who doesn't want to? But if it becomes your story and identity, it will prevent you from becoming a good parent. Because all that shame and judgment that's running around in your head, that's the most toxic thing you can pass on to your kids that you can create in your family environment. That's what's going to mess you up and kill you and destroy you. Even as you think that's helping you to be a better parent, it's killing you. Just as Pharisees killed Jesus, believing that it was a service unto the Lord to not be deceived. Deceived. Being a Christian is a radical departure from worldly thinking which is based on success or goodness. Amen? What a good news. I love it. Wonderful. So don't measure yourself by success and goodness. We always do that. We're always falling short. Don't do that anymore. When you're doing that, you're not a Christian. A Christian tries to think of all our words and actions in reference to connection or alienation. Because we are people of the cross. The cross defines our identity. Therefore, we are thinking about, am I connecting people? That's what the cross did, right? Did the cross solve anything? Was the cross a successful thing? (laughs) It's a horrible thing, right? But it connected. It connected. It, it broke the shame and guilt and judgment. So are your words and actions bringing encouragement to people? Is it removing shame from people? Is it removing shame from your own life? Is it removing guilt? Are you... You know, when you show up, or do people smile? Because they're happy to see you. Or people feel like, oh my God, hell is other parents. <laughs> you know right you might be like very successful person but a very alienating person right a good person can be really hateful i mean he can be a real party pooper right just really ruin a, you know everybody's mood such a good person well, be a good person, but that's not Christian. A Christian brings joy to wherever they go. Jesus was always, I mean, have you ever noticed in the Bible as you read, Jesus is always in a party? <laughs> have you ever noticed that? He's always in a party. And he's like making like alcohol to like like flow like the river. <laughs> right? I mean, he's even turning water to alcohol. Yeah, drink up. Let's have fun. Right? Weird, isn't it? Are you like that? I was uh, 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 terrible at that. I was just... In college, <laughs> people were not happy when they saw me. <laughs> you know? That was such an argumentative, you know, know-it-all just full of myself. I hope I have changed some. <laughs> what do you think? I hope so. And I still run on success and goodness. You know, I, wish, I hope I, I, I'm successful at that a little bit. I've really changed, I think. Not as bad as I used to be, at least. So be a Christian. Move in that direction of becoming a connecting person. What can help with that, in fact, it's critical, is church. It's critical. Church can help. Because trying to be a connecting person by yourself is an oxymoron. Agreed? If faith is not about being a good person, reading the Bible a lot, and knowing the Bible, look, I mean, we're all for the Bible here. We breathe the Bible here. We preach from the Bible every week. Bible is foundational to us. The Bible itself is telling us this, Bible is second-hand information about God, by definition. Bible is ancient re- record of people's experience of what they experienced of God, right? By definition that's second-hand. It's not first-hand. It can never be first-hand. God can and does speak through the Bible, but only when God is speaking alive that's it first-hand. The Bible itself can never be first-hand, second-hand. Therefore, it is not the New Covenant thing. The Bible can guide us into the New Covenant, but it is not the New Covenant itself. Agreed? So don't think, you know, being a Christian is just reading the Bible at your home and just knowing the right thing and just... I mean, you can do that in your own room. But that's not Christian. Christian is becoming this connecting, loving person. Therefore, it must be done in a community. Church is essential to your faith. It cannot be done otherwise. You have to come. And you have to connect. So don't come to church just to get a good sermon. I mean, we give good sermons here. Don't you think this was a good sermon? It's pretty good, right? It's not bad, at least. But that's not... The heart of Christian faith to like come and listen to some good sermon and you know, so from some guru or rabbi or pastor and think now I got it because I got good information secondhand. You have to talk to God yourself. And so to do that, the church, we major in this. So come get connected, volunteer, get engaged, go to life groups, share your problems. And get prayer and get connected. It, uh, it's a lifeline for your life, really. I assure you, you do not stand a chance against all those voices in your head on your own. You will fall into despair. You will fall into depression. You will fall into these dark places. You will not be happy. You will not come fully alive as God intends you to. You have to connect. This is where that can happen in a safe space because we are all agreed on this one aim. Okay? Come to the retreat. Make every effort to come to the retreat. Every year, the retreat is like a great opportunity to connect. This year, we're going to give you time and tools to reflect on what are the most important stories in your life. To help you get connected to yourself better. It's the greatest commandment. Contains connecting and loving yourself. And we do far too little of that and get deceived into doing other things. And we're going to give you time to connect with God, to to give give you time for God to speak to you firsthand so that you can receive these words of life. Jesus said, Mankind shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God. There is there are words proceeding from the mouth of God every day for you. This is our manna from heaven. Manna from the Bible. That's yesterday's manna. It's good stuff but it won't sustain us we need connection to the living god the words that will come and they will come for it is promised you may think it's just voice in your head but when you hear any voice that encourages you when you hear any voice that says you know you are loved when you hear any voice that says you will make it you are good Because I say you are good. Because the cross says you are good. You are worthy and accepted because of me. You are good. You are loved. When you hear these voices, they are from God. They are the manna that will sustain you against these terrible forces in the world. It's constantly getting us down. What's wrong with that? It's good stuff, right? Use it. Push into it. That's what makes you Christian. Life in all its fullness will come to you and God will rejoice. And that's the last word I want to leave you with for a while. Let's do this together. God is at the center of this church. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that it's not about any person. It's not about any text. It's not about any of those things, but it's about you, God. You are alive and you are speaking to us and you are reaching out to us and you want relationship with every single one of us. So I pray now that your spirit would be reaching out to each and every soul that's here, even now, that we will feel your voice. We will feel a presence that's coming that says life is worth it. That says there is good and beauty in this world because of you, God. That yes, there are terrible things happening in the world right now, but you triumph. There is a deeper tone There's a deeper music that's underlying this world and there will be redemption. Yes, there is the cross. Yes, there is injustice. Yes, there is death. Yes, there is terrible things. But there is resurrection. All will be resurrected and all will be redeemed. And that makes us people of the future, people of hope. And this is our faith. We declare to you, God, thank you, Lord. Let us live in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.